Hey, good morning, everyone. Come on, how many feel good to be in church today? Feels good to be in church. We love being at Restoration Life on Sunday mornings. It's, it's an honor to have you with us. Uh, next week, all of our married couples heading out. Come on, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, I've been getting phone calls. People are asking me, hey, is and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if there's still room. You just need to go online, register. I know that the price is right. It's going to be a lot of fun. They've got a lot of great things planned for you guys. And uh, if you endured yesterday's uh, or Friday's heat, you'll be okay in Palm Springs for a couple days. If you have your Bibles, open to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in it. Uh, we're kicking off a new series today. Entitled, Here Comes the Bride. Now, in Scripture, you'll learn that when the Bible talks about the bride of Christ, the Bible is talking about you and I, the sons and daughters of God. You'll see and learn throughout Scripture, especially, of course, in the New Testament, that when the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about a people. It's not talking about a building. It's not talking about a location. It's not talking about a facilities. In fact, this place doesn't even become the church until you guys get here. So you are the church. We are the church. Who's the church? We are. We are the bride of Christ. Another, another portion of scripture would say that we are the body of Christ. We are the building of Christ. But it's talking about living stones. It's talking about human beings. You'll, you won't read in scripture anywhere where it says that they went to church because they were the church. So wherever the people of God were, that's where the church was. And so wherever you are, the church is. Where two or three are gathered, he's right there in the midst of us. But in the context of this series, we're going to look at the bride of Christ. You know, the Bible is described as God's bride, as God's wife. And it's a beautiful illustration that will help us understand the relationship that we're to have with one another. And I need to just tell you up front, if you're new to our church or if you've been going to our church for any length of time, or maybe you're visiting for another, from another church, I want you to know that I love the church. Not just this church, but the church church. Globally, I love the church, but even more specific, I love this church. I love Restoration Life. You've never been to anything like this church, and if you think you have, it's still not the same. This church is different. I'm telling you, this church is different. Come on, it, it, it is made up of messed up people. <laughs> it's made up of broken people that have been restored by the power and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Come on. This church is made up of people with faults and failures. I know you probably come from a perfect church. I know that you probably come from perfect Christian upbringing, but there is a reason why we named this church Restoration Life. <laughs> We're not perfect by any means, nor do we claim to be, but we are being perfected by the love of Jesus Christ who loves us. And if you believe that, somebody make some joyful noise about that. Come on. We do have some power spots in our church, man. We know how to be creative, and we know how to worship, and we know how to disciple, and we know how to love, and we know how to reach out. But let me tell you something. We do have some blind spots in our church as well. We do have some weak spots in our church as well. Can I just be honest and tell you that we're trying to fix those things and grow stronger in those areas so that together we could be a stronger church. But could I also say to you that there are some hypocrites here. Yeah. Yeah. We have hypocrites in our church. 
Sorry to tell you. You, you might not have known that, but I'm going to tell you up front. There are hypocrites here. Just like there are hypocrites at your job. And there are hypocrites at the movie theater that you attend. And there are hypocrites at, at the restaurant that you go to. And there are hypocrites at the gym that you signed up for that you never attend. And there are hypocrites on the 405 freeway that you spend hours and hours on every week. And there are hypocrites in the internet. <laughs> Come on. There are hypocrites that live on your block. There are probably hypocrites that live in your house. And this church is filled with hypocrites. If you're just figuring that out, let me help you understand that churches all around the world are filled with people that say one thing and do another. Come on. Come on, how many of you at the beginning of the year, man, I'm going to get right. I'm going to start eating different. I'm going to start dressing different. I'm going to start living different. I'm going to start listening to different music. I'm going to start watching different things. I'm going to treat my wife better. I'm going to treat my husband better. I'm going to be better in school. I'm going to get better grades. Come on. Come on. In fact, in the Bible, the Bible is filled with hypocrites. One of the most famous people in the Bible made a hypocritical statement. Listen to what he said. He said, man, I sometimes do things that I don't want to do. And the things that I do want to do, those are the things that I don't find myself doing. Believe it or not, that was Paul the Apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. And so if Paul the Apostle found himself at a place where he said one thing and did another, then you're in good company this morning. Amen. We don't have it all together, but God is doing something exciting, fresh, and new in everybody's life. And so we are all in this process of being perfected. But we are not perfect. But we are the bride of Christ. We are the church. Can anybody say amen? Now, I'm not saying all that to be a big Debbie Downer on you. I don't want to be your buzzkill this morning. Holy Ghost buzzkill this morning. But what I do want to say to you this morning is that the church has its strengths and it has its weaknesses. In fact, I've had a lot of people come to me that have become a part of Restoration Life and go, man, I can't wait to be a part of the church. It's so awesome. I love what you guys post and I love what God is doing and I love the website and all the testimonies and, and you really get to hear and see a lot of the highlight reels from Restoration Life. But let me tell you something. There is some negativity that's happened too. There are people that have come and that have left. Amen. And I don't know how you could leave such an amazing body of believers, but it happens both for good reasons and bad reasons and sometimes ugly reasons. But people come and people go. And let me just say this. If you are going to make yourself be a part of Restoration Life, know that you are going to fault, find fault with this church. As, as perfect and as beautiful and as amazing as a lot of people think it is, the church is not perfect, but it is being perfected. And the reason why it's not perfect is because it's made of faulty people. For all have sinned. Come on. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. I remember Pastor Mitch made this statement at a men's retreat. And it was so good that it just resonated within me. He said, we are people being led by faulty people. We are faulty people being led by faulty people. And that's such a powerful statement because that's a reality. That is a truth. We are faulty people loving on faulty people. Did you hear that? We are faulty people trying to help faulty people. And so we're all messed up together in this thing. Is anybody excited about that? I love that. But I think that we serve a God who isn't faulty. He's perfect in every way. He's not hypocritical. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He keeps his promises. And when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And I thank God that we're in the presence of an almighty king who does that. In fact, 
the writer of Proverbs writes this. He says in Proverbs 19.21, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purposes that prevails. You know what bothers me is when people take shots at the church. That bothers me. Does that bother anybody else? When people take cheap shots at the church? I mean, I think it's pretty easy to focus on all the things that we do wrong. But I want you to know that there are a lot of things that we do right. Amen? Come on, there are a lot of things that we do right. And we can focus on the decisions that we don't agree with and the people that frustrate us. But can we all be honest and keep it real? People that we love frustrate us. Come on, if you're married, you should say amen to that. Has your spouse ever frustrated you? Has your spouse ever driven you up the wall? Come on, it's okay, don't be scared. You could say, yeah. Come on, does anybody have any teenagers in this place? Have they ever driven you crazy? Have they ever, yes, but you love them. Does anybody have toddlers? Come on, you love them, but sometimes. Right? Does anybody have like BFFs? You love on them, but sometimes they could drive you. They frustrate you, but you love them. Don't think for one moment that you're going to be a part of something this creative and this blessed and not be frustrated by other faulty lives around you. It's going to happen. But in spite of all these faults, I'm here to tell you today that we love this church that Jesus brought and bought with his blood. Amen. And today I want to introduce this new series, Here Comes the Bride. Because the bride of Christ is beautiful in every sense, in every way. And I know, I know firsthand she's not perfect. And I know firsthand that she's got her, 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 her things, right? But I know that her motive and her purpose is a powerful one. I know that we together make up the bride of Christ. And I just want to say a couple things just as I introduce this series to you, because we're going to talk a lot about the church. We're going to talk about the purpose of the church and the functionality of the church and the gifting of the church and the church that Jesus Christ is coming back for and the family that we are and the different members of the church and all these things. We're going to talk about this over this next, you know, six weeks or so before we get into conference. Anybody getting excited for conference? Let there be life. Come on. It's going to be exciting, man. Start getting ready. It's going to be amazing. You see, I believe that as Christians, as people that have been saved by the grace of God, that we've been called to love the church, to love the bride the way that Jesus does. And let me just make this first point. Number one, you can't say that you love Jesus and hate his bride. You can't say that you love Jesus and not love his church. It seems that it's okay today in our culture for people to say things like, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. And they'll say things like, because it's filled with hypocrites and and, and I've been hurt by it and all these other things. And there's a lot of truth to that. Or I don't like your church because of your pastor. He's too challenging and he thinks he's cute. And, 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 and Pastor Max, you know, you know he, he dances all the time. He just needs to stop wearing so much gym clothes. And that, that Pastor Mitch, he's a feisty one. Or, or, or Pastor Don, he's too much like Jesus. It's almost weird. Or, or, or maybe that life group leader, they don't teach exponentially and there are too many ex-cholos in the front trying to help us and I'm scared but but the coffee and the fellowship are great or my favorite one I'm not getting fed here how old are you or or the church is boring church isn't boring you're boring Come on, we need to get a revelation of what we're saying and understand who we are as the bride of Jesus Christ. Because if we knew what we were saying and who we were saying it about, we would have a different tone and we would change the things that we say. I understand because the church is filled with faulty human beings, it's not going to be perfect in this day and age. 
And we do need to address those shortcomings. And we do need to correct them. But that's not what I'm talking about here. What I want to address in this introduction is, is those who use those deficiencies that they see as an, as an excuse to mock or ridicule the church of Jesus Christ. Because when they do, they'll use those same excuses to leave. Or they'll use those same excuses for not being an active member within the body of Christ. They'll stop being faithful to their purpose because they see fault in someone else. They stop serving and living and loving and reaching and restoring and raising up and releasing because they see fault in somebody else that belongs to the body that they too are a part of. They'll stop being faithful to their purpose because they see the faults in other human beings. It's a bad, it's a bad character flaw. Another trend that we see in our culture today is the technology that a lot of young people start to use, including podcasts and YouTube, which give people the ability to create the perfect idea of the church that they want to be a part of. I mean, it's a lot easier to sit home in your pajamas and watch the sermon and just hang out and not really be involved. You could be at the beach and listen to a podcast while the waves are crashing. I don't have to be challenged. I don't have to respond to an altar call. I don't have to be held accountable. I don't have to volunteer. I don't have to give. I could just take, take, take as much as I want, as much as I need, because that's what I believe church is all about. But you'll never see that in the Bible. You'll never see a Christian in the Bible separated from the church. I can't stand it when people say, I can still be a Christian and not go to church. I can't stand that statement. Because you won't find that anywhere in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says things like, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together if some have come into the habit of doing. So the Bible is very clear that we need each other to be the bride of Christ. Look at somebody and tell them, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need your gifting. I need your anointing. I need your grace. I need your purpose. I need your talents. I need your wisdom. I need your love. I need the tenacity that Christ put in you. I need your mentorship. I need your discipleship. I need your teaching. I need your model in my life. I need you for me to become all that Christ wants me to be. I'm never going to become what Jesus wants me to be on my, on my own. I need others around me to help me get there. You need the church. The church is described in the Bible as this beautiful bride of Jesus Christ. The imagery and symbolism of marriage is applied to Christ and the body of believers as the church. Christ is the bridegroom and has sacrificially chosen the church to be his bride. Just as there was a time of betrothal, a time where, where they were getting ready for the, for the wedding day. In biblical times, they were separated until the day of wedding. So is the bride of Christ separate from her bridegroom during the church age. Her responsibility during that betrothal period is to be faithful to Jesus until he comes for her. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 and 2 says, I hope you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He's talking about the church. And yet, people still think that they can bash the church. People think that they can gossip and murmur and complain about the church and think that that's okay, that that's okay with Jesus, that that's cool with Jesus. I, I don't know if you know me, but I love my wife. My queen means everything to me. 
I mean, she is my everything. We've been doing life together since we were 19 years old. And we're almost 50 right now. And so we've been together for over half of our lives. And since before we got married, we've been in ministry. And after we got married, we've been doing ministry together. We've never taken a sabbatical in 27 years of doing ministry. We've never given up on serving God during that time, during ministry. 27 years of being married, 27 years of being in ministry. Did you hear that? We've been pastoring for 17 years. 17 years we've been pastoring. We've never taken a sabbatical. We've never said, I don't want to do this anymore. We've, with all the hardships, with all the things that we've gone through, we've never said, I'm done. I can't stand the church anymore. I can't stand its people. We love Restoration Life. We love the Bride of Christ. We love its people. And no matter what happens to us, we can't help love and serve the church because we love her. And so you know that I love this church, and you know that I love my wife. How crazy would it be if anyone came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Eddie, man, I love you so much. You're so amazing. Man, you encourage me. You equip me. You've really helped me. You've really blessed me with your life. Man, I'll follow you anywhere. Call upon me when you need me. Here I am. Use me, Pastor Eddie, because I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do to serve this body. But i got to be honest with you. i got a problem with Roxanne. I don't like her. She got problems. I see them. She got an attitude. She thinks she's all cute with ripped jeans and fancy clothing. and I don't really like her. In fact, I don't even think she sings that good. I mean, I, could, I can go on, Pastor. I can tell you all the things that I see wrong with Roxanne. I don't really, I'm not really down for but I'm down for you, though. I'll, anything you need. How many know... That it would take everything for me just to hold on to my salvation at that moment. <laughs> because I'd want to lay hands and feet on that individual. <laughs> right? But how many know that I would have a problem with you talking about my wife that way? You talk about my girl, you're talking about me and my girl. Because when you're talking about her, you're talking about me because we are one. So you can't love me and hate my wife. You can't love me and say you'll do anything for me but talk smack about my bride. How do you think Jesus feels when you talk mess about his church? When people talk mess about his church? You're talking about not one person. You're talking about all of us. Now, I'm not talking to anybody specific here. So if you're feeling like real puckered up right now, this isn't. Me pointing you out, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, if the shoe fits. But when you talk about the house of God, you're talking about the bride of Christ. I'm here to tell you, if you talk about his church, you're talking about his bride, and Jesus got a problem with that. But we were just talking, and then we prayed. No, it's still gossip. It's not gospeling. Is gossip. You can't love Jesus and hate his bride. You can't love Jesus and not serve his bride. You can't love Jesus and not be a part of his bride. Something is wrong if that's taking place. Something is not right in your personal relationship with God for you not to have a personal relationship with his bride. Because the two focus scripture, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I hope, hope we got time for this. If we don't, I'll, I'll, I'll stop and I'll take off when I come back. The Bible says, and to husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives 
with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Now watch this, verse 27. All that he does in us, designed to make us mature, a mature church for whose pleasure? For his pleasure. Until we become a source of praise to him. Glorious, radiant, beautiful, and holy without fault or flaw. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For you, for to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for the church. He serves and he satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and his PlayStation and his single friends and his hobbies and hold to his wife since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is a beautiful design of the Almighty. A great and sacred ministry meant, watch this, to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. And this is how God has loved us. In verse 24, I didn't spare the women of this verse. But in verse 24 of Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Wives, be devoted to your husbands. A more proper translation of that is, Wives, submit to your husbands. And so in that same picture, one brave man here. Was that you, Marquez? He was like, yeah. Come on, somebody, preach that. Woman, submit. <laughs> no, just kidding. But a wife is to be devoted to her husband, fully submitted to her husband. In fact, I love this about what the Bible says, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, your bodies don't belong to you any longer. Mm. Come on, somebody. It belongs to the husband. I look at Roxanne every night. You belong to me. And I belong to you. We are devoted to one another. We are submitted to one another. We serve one another. And this is the beautiful example of Christ and the church. We use it as pastors and as leaders to, to marry people, to, to counsel people. But look at how Paul the Apostle is using the context. He's saying this is the way the bride of Jesus Christ is to function. This is the way that she's supposed to live. This is the way that she's supposed to act. This is the way that she's supposed to live. This is the way that he is. And he teaches us something not just about marriage, but about the relationship between the groom, which is Christ, and the bride, which is the church. And so Paul begins telling his readers that Jesus' love, uh, Jesus loved and was devoted to the church. Now the church in the Greek word, the Greek word for church is this word called, or, or it, it's, it's pronounced ecclesia. Ecclesia. It literally means the called out ones. The ones that have been called out into an assembly or one who cries out, and assembles another. By the New Testament times, the word was used to represent any group of people that would come together for a specific purpose. Jesus never viewed the church as a building or as a location 
but as a people. And he sees us as an assembly, as a people that have been called out. Called out of what? Called out of darkness and into his marvelous, come on, light. Called out of our despair and out of our brokenness into his restoration plan and purpose for our life. Called out of failure, come on, and into a new life in Jesus. We have been called out. You have been called out. That's why Pastor Ray said that you are kings and queens, princes and princesses. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood to declare. Come on. You have been called out for such a time as this. I'm calling the bride of Christ out this morning because you've got something on you that you don't even recognize already. He sees us as a called out people, Hebrews 10 23 and 25 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love. Come on. Stir it up this morning. Stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As is the manner of some. But exhorting one another. Encouraging one another. Lifting one another up. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Let me remind you. You need each other as the bride of Christ. You're never going to grow. And you're never going to heal alone. It's never going to happen. We need each other. Roxanne and I didn't get to where we are in our marriage by ourselves. We had mentors. And tormentors. <laughs> we had people that made valuable deposits in our lives. And people that we needed to walk away from in our lives. You're never going to get to where God wants you to be on your own. You need other people to disciple you. To impart into you. To love on you. To mentor you. To equip you. To challenge you. Come on. To call you out on your stuff. We need people in our lives to get to where God wants us to be. That's why he birthed this beautiful body called the bride of Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister is still living in, in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. There is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in darkness and walks around in the darkness they do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. In other words, you can't say you love Jesus and not love the people in his church. You can't love God and not love his church. You need to let that sink in. So how does Jesus show love for his bride? Here's my second point. Jesus shows love for his bride by the way that he sacrifices for her. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. He sacrificed himself. He wasn't coerced into doing it. Nobody made him do it. Nobody paid him to do it. He laid down his own life willingly so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He sacrifices himself for the bride. Here's, here's a good point for a lot of men in the house. You need to learn how to sacrifice for your wife. Girls, that was a good place. You missed it. Let me say it again. Men, you need to learn how to sacrifice for your bride. You're not down. <laughs> John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18 says this. The Father has an intense love for me because I freely give my own life to raise it up, um, to raise it up again. I surrender my own life. And no one has the power to take life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back up again. This is the destiny my Father has set before me. Jesus makes it clear. He lays down his own life willingly. He was 100% man. And 100% God. He could have come off that cross. In fact, people mocked him and said, if you are Jesus, get yourself off that cross. Call the angels from heaven to rescue you. And I'm sure that he could have. And I'm sure that there was something in him that might have said, maybe I should. 
But I'm here to tell you, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and its shame so that he can give birth to this beautiful bride called the church of Jesus Christ, which you and I are a part of. In fact, many of the people there were coercing him to do so, but Romans 5 and 6 says, when, for when the time was right, the anointed one came and died and demonstrated his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. How do we love the church like that? How do we show that kind of sacrificial love? Pastor Mitch talked a little bit about it by being faithful in your tithe and offering. We know that that is sacrificial, but it is commanded. It is something that we believe in, and it's something that we all give to. Many of you sacrifice by serving on team. You sacrifice by serving the house on one of the dream teams. And we're honored and we're blessed by your time and, and your talent and your love. Many of you sacrifice by going above and beyond the call of duty and spending time with EGRs in the house. Only a, only a couple of you know what EGR means in our church. These are people that, that we've given this label, EGR. Like if somebody goes, hey, I got an EGR, man. Like, oh, okay, you handle it. <laughs> What's an EGR? It's a person that extra grace is required. Because they've blown it time and time again. And they've been disobedient to counsel, and they just keep getting themselves in trouble. You know what I'm talking about, right? People that need to learn the hard way. People that just sabotage their own walk with Christ. The devil is sitting back and going, I ain't got nothing to do with that one, boy. But these are people that are extra grace is required. Why? Because they too deserve the love and the grace and the mercy that God has shown us. Because if we could just be honest, all of us are EGRs in this house. We all needed God's extra grace on our life. So if I'm going to love the bride like Jesus, man, we need to love one another. Can anybody say amen? How about by not allowing the church that I want, the church that I envision, the church that I serve in, to become an enemy of the church that I have. What do you mean? I think we all want more for our church. Right? I think, I think there are a lot of us that can sit here and go, man, I can see this for our church. Man, I want this for our church. Man, we need to fix this in our church. Man, I wish we did this in our church. And I think that there are a lot of us here that go, man, yeah, I want that. But it doesn't stop us from loving and the serving the church that we have right now. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. Can anybody say amen? That's how I love the church. I'm, if I'm going to love the bride like Jesus, it means that I love it unconditionally, even when it does not meet all my expectations. Even when it falls short of what I think it should be. Even when... When I think my opinion matters most, I don't let my opinion get in front of what God wants to do. We need to love the church the way Jesus does, sacrificially. Romans 5 and 8 says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place. While we were still lost and ungodly, Jesus' love for us is unconditional. He didn't wait. Watch that. Look at that. Read that. He didn't wait until everybody had it all together. He didn't wait until we cleaned up our lives or got our act together before he chose to manifest his love by his sacrifice. In other words, what he's saying, sometimes like, we're like, okay, well, I'll serve and I'll love and I'll help them when they get their act all together. Man, I'm glad Jesus didn't go to the cross with that kind of an attitude for me. Right? Come on. You are going to encounter people that are going to walk into this house that got messed up lifestyles, and they're in the middle of it when they get here. Our job is to love them unconditionally and not be judgmental, but bathe them in love, bathe them in grace, bathe them with the love of Christ, and let Jesus transform them. If you haven't figured it out yet, you can't change nobody. 
We can't change anybody. Only God could do that. For years. <laughs> for years, man. We've loved. For years, we've served. And I just think about, man, how do I, how do I, how do I love God's house? Well, for years I've done things and gone places with Roxanne um, because it's what she loved to do. And I've gone with her places that I had no business being there. Like bridal showers. Like when did it change where men started attending bridal showers? Can, or baby showers. Those two. Baby showers, bridal showers. Come on, any men in the house? I'm like, this is all girly foo-foo stuff. I don't want to hold little baby bottles with shampoo in it, blowing bubbles out of it and figuring out when she's going to give birth. That, I don't want to know. Tell me when it happens and I'll celebrate. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have any business being there. Like, I want to go fishing. You go to the baby shower. Here's some money. Have fun. Here's a Target card. Have at it. Like, I ain't got no business being there. You may have not known this, but Roxanne used to show dogs. We used to breed dogs. And she used to show dogs. And she would take me to these dog shows. And it smelled like caca everywhere. Now, if you know me, you know that I have this sense of smell. I could, I could pick up doo-doo on anybody. I could smell your doo-doo. And I would go to this dog show, and all these, like, real, like, prissy, like, snobby, like, conceited. Like, they would look at my dog and go, ew. And I'm like, ew. Ew, you. Like, like my dog's cute, you know. And then my dog won everything, and they got all, ew, you know. And, and we would go to these things, and it would be like, like an ungodly, like, like heat, like, sun, scorch, like, Palm Springs. And it's like, Why? And I'm like, how come you can't just go have fun, babe? Do you. But no, I went because I wanted to be where she is. I wanted to be in her presence. I wanted to be around her. I loved seeing her do what she loved to do. And so I'd go to these places. Well, now she's going to where I want to go. Now she goes with me where I want to go. In fact, this past 4th of July, you know, we were supposed to be gone because our son was supposed to be home. We were supposed to be gone on vacation. But he's in, he's in a typhoon right now, I think, in Japan. And so he's held back till next week. And so we had plans to go um, on, on a camping trip. And we couldn't go camping, so we canceled it. And uh, so we are like, we didn't have anywhere to go. Nobody invited us over. We were like, what did we do? You know, nobody loves us. No, nobody knew we were in town. And I was like, well, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go spearfishing. And I got some of the guys. You guys want to go fishing? Yeah, let's go fishing. And then Roxanne's like, well, I want to go. And I'm like, yeah? She's like, yeah, I want to go. I'm like, like, you're going to get in? She's like, yeah, I'm going to go in. I'm like, oh. I was like, my heart like leaped out of my chest. I was like, really? You're going to do this with me? She's like, yeah. I was like, so I got her wetsuit. I put it on her. I got her weights and I got her, 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 her fins and her goggles. And I fitted her, her face just right. And I'm like, okay, honey, look, you're going to breathe this way. You're going to stick by me. She didn't like the Pacific Ocean because you can't see what's under there until it gets up on you. So she's never liked the ocean. She prefers Miami and Hawaii and all those foo-foo places. But, but she's like, but this water's dirty. I'm like, no, it won't be. It'll be nice. It'll be awesome. So I took her to Long Beach, the dirtiest water ever. Anyways, so we went and we're in there and she dove right in. And man, me and Roxanne are like peas in a pod in the ocean. We're diving together. Like if, 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 my, if you could see me, you would see like a two-hearted emoji in my face underwater. That's how happy I was. I'm like, that's my girl. And then she dove. She dove down and she disappeared into the murkiness. I was like, oh my gosh, she disappeared. 
And then I went down looking for her, and she was, like, swimming around. And she didn't notice this, but I had the biggest smile on my face as I was watching her. I was like, that's my girl. And, man, we had the most awesome 4th of July swim until she started getting a little seasick. And about two hours into the swim, all of a sudden she comes up out of the water, and she's like, oh, my gosh. I can't. As a matter of fact, I got video. Watch. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. I do have video, but I wasn't going to go there because marriage retreat's coming up. Anyways, so, so it's like, I can't, I can't. I'm like, yeah, I got you. So I went and I grabbed her. I'm like, here, I got you. So I just like a little tugboat. I just start, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, you know. And I was just kicking, and the boat was like, I don't know, like 20 yards away. So I swam her back to the boat. And I'm like, are you okay, honey? And I'm patting her on the back. And I'm like, I'm just like blowing on her. It's going to be okay. And she starts hugging the ladder. And she's like. And I'm like, oh, I know that face. And I remember she ate cherries and cheese for breakfast because she's, of course, keto. And next thing you know, I'm sitting there. And I'm like, are you okay? And this red stuff comes out of her everywhere. I'm like. What is that? And then I look underwater, and it's cherry chum everywhere. And all the little fishes are, like, coming from the depths, and they're eating it all around her. And I'm like, what's going on? She's just, and she's just, she's hurling. She's letting go, man. I've never seen so much liquid come out of her. She's just, She's selling cars, man. Buick, Regal, <laughs> you know, just, just letting it go. And I'm like, pobrecita. But I'm like, I am so proud of you right now. I, I'm just like, hey, we've all gone through this. You're okay. All of us have gone through this. And I, and I got to tell you, right there, swimming in the middle of all of her throw up, I was the proudest husband on the planet. I was like, that's my girl right there. That is my woman. That is my bride. And I think that sometimes, I think that sometimes, if you really, well, not sometimes, if you really love Jesus, you're going to love everything that Jesus loved to do. He loved reaching the lost with his love. He loves seeing broken people come into a place of healing. He loves seeing people, amen, go out and become the apostles and the preachers and the teachers and the elders and the people that would become pillars of the church in that era. He loved that. And I think that God's in heaven looking down at his church. And sometimes the church will do things that it steps out of itself and it does things that God loved to do and sometimes it's a bit scary and sometimes it doesn't go the way that we thought it would, it would go and sometimes it might get us a little bit sick. But I'm here to tell you that God's up in heaven going, man, that's my bride right there. Man, she's doing all that she can to reach people with my love. Man, they're preaching, they're teaching, they're loving, they're worshiping, they're serving. Watch out, devil. Here comes the bride. And she's coming from the South Bay. Come on. Jesus loved his bride. And his bride loves being with Jesus and doing everything that Jesus did Jesus' love for his bride, if I could just close this morning. The third thing, Jesus sanctifies his bride for himself. If I could have the worship team come up. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, the Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. That word sanctify literally means to be set apart for a purpose, a divine purpose. And what I want you to hear this morning is that when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you become born again, 
you're not going to know how to do everything that God's called you to do on day one. What you see in me and my wife and Mitch and Adriana, Max and Teresa, Pastor Don, all the other leaders that are here, you're seeing chapters way into their story. But you should have seen us in chapter one. You should have seen him chapter one. And Pastor Mitch and Adriana chapter one. We were a hot mess. And Jesus came and did something miraculous. Don't get caught up on everybody's highlight reels. Know that we've all had to learn and grow through a process of serving and loving and doing what God called us to do. Even when it was scary, even when it didn't make any sense, even when we didn't fully understand it, even when we didn't know how to do it. We still stepped out and let God be God. Because when you step out and do your possible, it'll meet with God's impossible. And then you'll see the miraculous start to happen in your life. I'm here to tell you that every single one of you have been sanctified and set apart for a very specific purpose in Christ Jesus. And that purpose is linked to the body of Christ. Everyone here has a place and a home in this family that we call Restoration Life. We might look differently. We might act differently. We might have different personalities. We might have different tax brackets. We might have different failures from the past, different giftings. We may have different ways of thinking, different creativity, different uh, 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 position on things. But at the end of the day, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. We are the family of Almighty God. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head. And he is leading us and guiding us into a new future. And so we all go together in that direction. We are not Elevation Church. We're not Hillsongs. We're not Bethel. I'm not Furtick, MacArthur, or John Gray. But I have been redeemed and bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And I do have a purpose in leading this church. And you do have a purpose in your position, in your place. Come on, stand to your feet. I don't know what this means to you this morning, but I'm here to challenge you to become a part of the living, breathing, beautiful body of Jesus Christ that the Bible calls the bride of Christ. And I want to say to Satan right now, watch out, devil. Here comes the bride. Come on. Here comes the bride.